Hello, and welcome to episode 214 of Relics of War. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Spirit. How are you doing this festive evening, Spirit? Uh, I'm doing I'm doing wonderfully. I'm not quite in the Christmas spirit yet. The whole uh, not-snow thing is really a problem with that. Still disorienting you? Yeah, but I'm enjoying thoroughly my orphan farm in the Guild Wars. So, uh, if anything is bringing me into the Christmas spirit, it's it's the the sweet sweet orphan karma. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, speaking of summer, did you did you see uh, in Overwatch that Junkrat got a skin for winter and it's beach clothes? I did not, but I approve of this wholeheartedly. Yeah, it's fantastic. He has like a rubber ducky inner tube and you know sunglasses and everything. So. It made me think of you, uh, but uh, yeah, all right, good. Well, this is our annual Winter's Day cast, which is our end of the year wrap-up special sort of thing. Uh, I have broken out spirits of my own, so to speak, so if I start slurring my words, uh, hilarity will ensue, but uh, I, I don't think it'll be that bad. We also, in usual fashion, have not really planned anything, so we wrote some quick notes on what happened this year, and we'll just see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> what would you like to start with, Spirit? Oh gosh, uh, let's talk about the most recent patch, because that's what I know about, because it happened most recently. Shockingly to everyone, I know. Alright, get her started. So, on the 12th, we got the Winter's Day patch, which brought a bunch of sort of new or updated things for Winter's Day. Um, one of the things they did is they took out all those friggin' little tiny snowballs that we used to have. Or, sorry, not tiny snowballs. I'm thinking of tiny snowflakes. So there was six tiers of snowflakes formerly. No longer. There are snowflake, period. Um, you can convert all of your old ones into the new ones. They convert at different ratios. They they sort of set the, the snowflake at a middle middling tier of snowflake so if you have tiny ones you need multiple to convert it to a snowflake but if you convert a large say a flawless snowflake to a snowflake then you get more of them per snowflake so that was really cool that was nice to log in and and see that they had cleaned that up and also that uh we had been hoarding some flawless snow snowflakes in our guild bank for uh the impending christmas decorations and we ended up with a bunch more than we thought we were going to have because it, they all got converted up. So that felt really good to just have that um, cleaned up right at the beginning of, of Winter's Day. There was also a bunch of really fantastic guild decorations this year. The uh, They added giant Winter's Day presents, and I'm talking giant Winter's Day presents. Um, trying to think of what I would... I would compare them to, like, large bosses... Gorsival-sized Winter's Day presents. That's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty Having big. Having seen a Gorsival once or twice. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of an open-world boss, but they're, they're slightly bigger than, like, the huge, like, Tequaddle bosses. Sli or slightly smaller than that, but bigger than your your everyday uh, double-sized Asura so that you can still see it through the particles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've actually got, we've got a, a big... A giant lion statue that we call Cecil. He's been with us since we got our guild hall. He's a bit of a, a mascot for Relics of War. And we we have put all of Cecil in one of the presents because he fits. <laughs> That's, I mean, you know, 
cats in boxes. It's a natural yeah. state of being. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're dirt cheap as well, which is really great. Um, if you want to make some for your guild hall, they're absolutely no problem to make them. I think like two to five gold oh, wow. per present, and they're that's, huge. That's incredibly cheap. Yeah, for, for scribing stuff. There, there are a couple more expensive ones as well, but the sort of base things this year were, were really cheap. There's also uh, snowflake platforms a la the winter's day jumping puzzle oh yeah 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 so we've made a bunch of those as well we've, we've made a bridge uh from the waypoint to our our nodes in our guild hall because in, in the new windswept haven there's a bit of a gap there that you, you can make with a mount but it's a little bit tedious so a lot of guilds that have that hall have made some sort of bridge or ramp or something to get over there without having to run all the way around and ours is approaching <laughs> approaching festive festive uh existence it i made a bunch of snowflakes of the same kind to sort of measure how far it went and i didn't quite have enough so it's very beautiful up until like halfway and then it just ends <laughs> we're accumulating the snowflakes to finish the bridge right now but it's functional it just looks like a hot mess <laughs> ironically yeah yeah um gosh what else there were so many little things oh the uh winter's day jumping puzzle if yep. you haven't completed it before, I highly recommend going to try and complete it this year. There are three lanes. There's always been three lanes, but they're all roughly the same difficulty, maybe a little bit different. Everyone had sort of their own one that they liked, but they all rewarded the same. This year, there's a difficult path, a medium path, and an easy path. The easy path doesn't have the snowflakes disappear, so you have a very gracious amount of time. It's still somewhat timed, but you have a... a plenty of time to get through and you don't have to worry about the platforms falling out from underneath you you finish the quaggan path you'll get five winter's day gifts um the middle path is the snowman path it's roughly the same difficulty as last year the platforms drop out from underneath you and that one rewards you 10 which is the same as last year and now there's a gingerbread path as well which i actually haven't completed yet because i you need to be really on your game for that one and i just haven't felt like being that aggressive with the winter's day farming but if you aggressive farming that sounds right up my alley <laughs> yeah the uh the people who were really farming the jumping puzzle last year you can probably get it down the gingerbread path and you're going to get 15 gifts for your effort it's okay. quite uh it, it's more difficult but you'll you'll get rewarded for it and of course if you can't do that gingerbread path reliably you can still do the snowman path you'll make about as much as you did last year um and if you can farm it more reliably then you're probably going to make a fair amount of money anyway. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll have to give that a try. I hadn't actually seen the um, that they had made the difficulty paths be different because I I always found the jumping puzzle to be not too terribly difficult. Um, the Mad King's Clock Tower has always definitely been more difficult in my opinion, mm -hmm. but uh, for the most part, I'm pretty good at jumping puzzles in this game, and I've, you know, done most of them, so I kind of just hadn't done it this year, because I, you know, I've done it every other year, but now that you tell me it's changed, I, you know, they're gonna, they're just sucking me back in. So, that's exciting. I actually really like that. That's, uh, I, I would not have expected them to have changed the actual jumping puzzle mechanics, so, huzzah. Uh-huh. Oh, right. Also with this Winter's Day, we got the Tonic Vendor, which I guess we ostensibly knew about beforehand, but I didn't because I don't pay attention sometimes. Um, so that's cool. I really like that. I thought it was really weird 
when they turned the town clothes into tonics because tonics just do not have the same level of functionality as um like not being able to dye them and not being able to you know do anything in them and Mm -hmm. yeah just i i just didn't (sighs) i did not like that at the time and so i'm glad that i'm glad that they converted them over to this system because it especially for Silvari. oh wow see there i go i already slurred my words but mostly it's just because it was lots of s's in a row the especially for the Silvari, uh some of the some of the town clothes are pretty cool and sort of reminiscent of cultural armor um since they have that whole vibe of of clothes that are made out of leaves but the only ones you can get are your cultural armor so uh it's nice to have that. There's also, Brabin asked how you got a whole bunch of those tonics, and my answer was I have no idea, because I didn't know that a lot of those tonics existed, so I got to preview a few of them that I hadn't particularly paid attention to. So, uh, yeah, uh, there, there's some maybe some new tonics to buy. Have the prices stabilized? I know that they were going crazy on the patch day. Uh, I'm not certain... I haven't looked. I just converted what I had, which wasn't much. I had, um, in fact, I think I deleted all my town clothes things. I never had that many. I had the common ones. I wasn't. I wasn't saving them. I just bought a new common one. I bought it for three silver when I started playing. I think when Christian got home from work, they were up towards fifty silver. <laughs> so okay. I'm glad I bought one right away. I know a bunch of people in the guild had. Uh, sort of 20 or so of them. I did not think to keep that many, but I'm sure that there were some in banks that have escaped to the trading post now, or, uh, you know, if you've got friends who hoard things, you might be able to ask if they've got one you can have, since you only need one to get the outfit unlocked for your account. Yeah, um, right. I'm not sure about the high-end stuff. There's a there's a big question here, which hasn't been answered as far as I know um, from Arena, which is, okay, now that these are outfits, are you going to bring them back and make them acquirable again? Are we going to expect these as a gem in-game. store thing? Yeah. Are they going to be an in-game reward? Like how, now that this is a thing, does it remain this way or does it change? I don't know. I don't have any answers about that yet. Yeah, I had the... Yeah, whatever the like cultural town clothes are, and then I also had the um, the Guild Wars two shirt, like the T-shirt mm-hmm. tonic. Um, so yeah, so I got those, but that's that's it. Um, anyway, cool stuff. Uh, always glad to see Winter's Day back, and like I said, I can't say that I was expecting updates, so I'm you know glad that we got them. That's yeah. always cool. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I actually was. When I was writing up the show notes for this, I was actually kind of surprised at how many things had come out this year. I mean, I knew that we had a, you know, standard year, but I guess it, I guess it felt like the year went by fast. And then when I look yeah. back at this, I was like, oh, but also like this is a kind of a like kind of a crazy amount of things that came out this year, especially uh, rear loaded. I guess that's part of it. But um yeah, I mean, are, do we want to sort of talk about the year in review for that, or sure, or, or do we want to linger some more on on this? Uh, I don't know too much more to say about Winter's Day. It's 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 much the same as previous years. There's a few new rewards here and there. There's a eggnog helm that you can make. I think uh, you can dye the. It's a it's 
cup of eggnog upended on your head, and I think you can dye the foam that's coming out of it. The foam sort of replaces your hair. has some interesting effects on it. Gotcha. There's a... Oh, if you like the Enchanted Snowball tonic, uh, they really went whole ham on those this year. They have them in every color under the rainbow, and I believe you can make a multicolored snowball tonic that has all the other colored tonics as part of it. And there's also a smiley face snowball tonic, if you're ambitious enough to get that. I believe it's about 20 gold for the smiley face as well. I haven't looked into these myself. I am satisfied with my singular snowball tonic. But should you ever feel the urge to be a yellow snowball, you now have the option without uh, much hassle. I do want to say that since you've told me about the difficult path, I have logged in and completed it. So nice. uh, it's not that hard if you I would say if I would say that if you had done the jumping puzzle to the point where you were able to do it on your, you know, first, second, third try, maybe of the year, uh, you know, yeah, it's. I basically, the only part that tripped me up was the very beginning. I just, like, missed jumping onto the candy canes a few times. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that's cool. Hey, look, I can farm more. But I do always love to take the chance to become yellow snow if I can. So, <laughs> oh, God, it's so hard to say that with a straight face. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was a big proponent of the snowball tonic, especially in raids, uh, gliding through the air as a giant snowball. So, I will definitely look into that. But uh, yeah, so you broke it down. We had one, two, three, four. So we've had four living story releases, uh, two to three new fractals, two new raids, five legendaries, and an expansion this year, which is a a lot, I guess. Um, I think the biggest surprise was that Lake Doric was this year. For some reason, that seems... Yeah, yeah. right? Forever ago forever ago yeah uh lake dork and bastion of the penitent uh which was the raid wing uh followed by flashpoint which was draconis mons uh then one path ends siren's landing then we had our path of fire release a couple months back and then uh daybreak which is the istan island and the hall of chains and and then of course winter's day so yeah like i said lake dork that's really the one that that threw me because that feels like so long ago that's crazy um which which of the living story maps would you say is your favorite i think istan blows the rest of them out of the water for me personally um the the big thing about istan that i really like is it is it change sort of what living story maps were in my head they were they were all the ones, all the ones from season three were fine. I, I didn't have any big problems with them. I like to explore them, but it, they weren't particularly appealing to me. So once I explored them, I only ever came back to gather. I have no idea how most of the metas work in the the Living Story three maps. I just there was no reason for me to do them. I didn't care. I just like I did them once to have fun with them, and then moved on to what I liked doing in the game, which is raiding and fractals and hunting achievements elsewhere. So I never really came back to those maps unless I needed to gather. And I think what happened with Istan is they moved the the big um, currency gain off of the gathering or the zone materials 
and put it into events and exploration. And that is much more appealing to me. I've been back to Istan more. I've probably spent more time in Istan than any map, except maybe the ones I took a long time to complete a collection in, like Draconis Mons. I had to go back to quite a bit because I needed consumables and things from there. The back piece took a long time. It was time-gated. But I think I've, I've spent more time in Istan, and I haven't been farming that too hard. I did a bit of the... There was an Istan multi-loot, in case you missed it, um, sort of farm train when it first came out. It's been nerfed a couple of times since then. I wasn't farming it too hard. I did do a bit of the farming, but not more than six hours of the farming tops since it came out. And the rest of the time I've been there has all been exploring, doing bounties, doing the race, the race in that zone. I love the race in Istan. Getting achievements, checking out the story stuff. I go back there because I want to, not because I oh I need a trinket or something. So I I really like Istan. Yeah, I think I think Istan I I think everything that you said is is pretty drives pretty well with my feelings and experiences so far. I do I think second to that would probably just be like Doric and I can't really pin my finger on why. I I think it's just the geography that I liked in Lake Doric. Um Siren's Landing was very visually impressive being very large and being you know ori which is already sort of big grand scale stuff but Mm -hmm. it didn't really hold my attention all that much and draconis mons was cool at first it kind of had the same issue that a lot of people have with um oh gosh what's that map called in heart of thorns the tangled depths tangled depths yeah uh with the extreme verticality and the sort of difficulty of tracking what level and what side it's on and like which shortcuts lead to which places and you know yada 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 and um even though it was visually sort of exciting it was also sort of just confusing and like the zone was big but only because so much of it was gliding rather like the actual land size of the zone is seems pretty small um but you know, Istan. I guess. I guess part of it too is that Istan is playing with is pretty far and away the largest of the living world maps that we've gotten, and and again, that's influenced by uh, the fact that we have mounts now, right? Because all of those mm-hmm. other ones were designed pre-mount, uh, and they were designed more towards the masteries that were in those zones. Do you remember what the mastery in Lake Doric even was? Yes, actually. It- I thought it was dumb at first, but it ended up being one of the most useful masters I have. It's the res signet. So when you, or sorry, when you go into the downstate, you get the five skill from like. Oh, oh, um, spectral agony. Yeah, uh, it is. I I really thought it was dumb when we got it, but boy, has that saved my bacon so many times since. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So. Maybe that's why I like Lake Dork so much, and I just forgot is because it gave me a permanent new skill that leaves the map. Uh. Draconis Mon's mastery was neat, but also janky, and again, being only applicable there, it was it was like one of those things like, hey, you got you got the Spider-Man web slinger in a zone that can use it, but also like the zone is kind of obnoxious without it, and when you're using it, it's just sort of janky, and so um, it was just sort of unfortunate. What was Siren's Landing? Uh, oh, it was the like call of the gods or whatever, the random yeah. That was very forgettable. Um, to be honest, Istan doesn't really have one either. Like, the mastery is you can collect things here. Yeah. Uh, which is... That's a bit disappointing, but it's... Yeah. What are you gonna do? 
it's the first one in the master line. Can't be all that impressive, right? Uh, yeah, I suppose. Um... I guess, I know, I take that back. Gliding, very impressive. Also bouncing mushrooms, also very impressive. First thing in the line. Also mounts. Back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> they've, they've been devalued a little bit, but glide, if you if you don't have Path of Fire and you're just getting into the game, boy, uh, gliding, bouncy mushrooms, updrafts is the trifecta of, of getting through Heart of Thorns. Once you have those, everything is so much easier. Yeah, it's really true. And yeah, I guess I'm sort of just surprised that the mastery didn't relate to mounts in some way or another. Um, they very easily could have had it be something like the later tier masteries for each individual mount that like applies a buff to all of your mounts. Uh, they they could have had some sort of Istani mastery that just like gives you some mount buff just in general. I don't know. Mm. Um, I really like the idea of living story masteries that go beyond the map that they're in, but I also know that they don't want to like super rely on that type of mechanic because you know the game is kind of casual and they don't you know they don't want those things, especially not for living story, not mainline expansion stuff. But <sighs> yeah, gosh, I I like the impact of spectral spectral agony so much and. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these individual map ones just aren't that exciting. So it's it's kind of a shame, but not a not a huge uh, point of criticism. But which of the raids that was added this year would you say is your favorite? Oh gosh. <laughs> um, for me personally, my my personal enjoyment of playing the raid, I think Hall of Chains is much better. Um. I think Bastion of the Penitent is a very underrated raid because when it came out, it was very easy, and it still is very easy. The thing that Bastion of the Penitent did that I really enjoyed for the groups that I played with is it gave people, what you know, whether intentional or not, I don't think it was meant to be as easy as it was, but people <laughs> were very prepared for raids at this point and sort of churned through it. The fact that it has three actual bosses that are quite e like not face roll easy, but pretty easy in a row, makes it really handy for getting people into raids because they have a sense of, oh, okay, yeah, no, I can beat a boss. Oh no, I no, I can beat two and and three. I can actually, you know, I can make some progress in a raid, and it's, it's not just cherry picking the easiest encounter. It's it's three encounters where people can actually get through it. And so that, whether it was intentional or not, whether people like it or not, has been a huge boon to to our groups, to training groups. I think it was really great, even though, uh, you know, it was sort of controversial how easy it was. Yeah. yeah so I have good feelings about Bachelor of Penitent, even though it's not, not my favorite one to play in personally. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I can definitely see the value in that, because like you said, I think... I don't know if I'm going to say that they missed the mark with the very first couple of raids, but I think that there was definitely... I think that the weed-out factor was really high, higher than it probably needed to be at first. Mm -hmm. And I sort of understand why they did that, because they wanted to make content that was really hard for that group that wanted hard content, right? And so... Mm -hmm. If they had released sort of easier raids, people, you might have had the opposite problem where the people that were really looking for hardcore content just go, eh, this is too easy, and then didn't give future raids a chance. Um, 
but I definitely know that the mostly the coordination factor of some of the early like raids just sort of crushed a lot of less skilled players in a way that made them not want to give future raids a try and mm-hmm. like because it's very much like well if the first raid was this hard you know yeah they're only gonna the get third worse, or right? fourth raid gonna be yeah right? uh and yeah i mean i i think it's valuable to have a raid like that 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 is fun but is achievable right you know i mean not everything needs to be the hardest of hardcores and especially because in this game there isn't a gear treadmill and you know it's not like they're just sort of giving away gear from bastion of the penitent that that makes all of the other raids before it and after or, you know before it become trivial right mm-hmm. um I, th- I think it's good to have that kind of a you know a kind of an, an achievable feeling raid uh, so yeah but uh yeah that's a that's a good point I- i'm glad to hear that you're really liking the new raid a lot though yeah, I guess. Oh, I, I should say a little bit about it. I've I've beat it since I last we last did a podcast. Yeah. Um, I hadn't. I think when we recorded the last one. Do we want to talk spoilers on it? Because basically, we just talked about it like a day or two after it came out, and so we basically didn't yeah. say a thing about it. Sure. Let Let's talk some spoilers on it. There's actually a a guild chat and a blog post about it this week as well, which we can talk about a bit. Okay. Um, so the final. Final boss of Hall of Change is, is Doom, which I think surprises no one who knew that it was the Underworld and played Guild Wars 1. Uh, Doom is tough. Boy, is Doom tough. He is very fair. It's a very predictable fight, but it has a lot of chances for failure. And I, One of the things I almost don't like about it is that there's a very real risk that if you lose a key player your attempt is done. Um, You need, absolutely need at least six people to make it to the final 10% or you cannot beat the fight. Um, Actually, probably you could go a little bit lower, but people would have to have certain skills to make it possible. Uh, Because at at 10%, there's sort of a story section where everyone's souls get ripped out of their body. You get thrown in the air. You have to sort of claw your way back to life and then when you get down to the floor actually sorry let me back up just a little bit cue some 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 evanescence music yeah uh the premise of the fight is that you are in you're you're getting up in doom's face while uh desmina and the seven reapers of the underworld are performing a ritual to chain him so you need to keep the reapers alive throughout the the course of the fight and at 10 percent uh, Doom kills all the Reapers, which would end your attempt, except you guys, you as a party take over the role of the Reapers, and so you get thrown up in the air, grab all this magical power, come back to the ground, and you physically go out to these places on the ground, and you, you channel something that chains him and pulls him out of the air to the ground so you can smash the crap out of him for the last 10%. And it, it generally takes, like, two rounds of doing that, but if you do it, then he, if you get him to 0%, then he's finally dead. And that's a very cool, uh, very cool feeling when you get to that point. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed that, that whole experience. It was very uh, trying to learn. There's a, there's a lot of failure that's going to happen before it goes. In fact, I enjoyed a video someone posted yesterday where they, they had gotten their first kill 
on Doom. But instead of posting a kill video, they posted 11 minutes of wipes on Doom in the 20 hours that it took them to kill Doom. So it's just 11 minutes of like his character falling over going, and then clicking retry from checkpoint. There's a <laughs> there's a message that pops up when you fail. Uh, if, if in particular, if you fail from one of the reapers dying because you have to keep all of them alive, it says the uh, the ritual has failed and so have you. <laughs> and uh, boy, boy, have I seen that text a lot of times, and especially now that I've watched that video, I've seen eleven more minutes of that text, and that that is engraved in my heart now. Also, I was doing a different raid, and I thought I heard someone say Doom's gaze falls on me, and I freaked out and just uh had a look around like oh god i have to save someone <laughs> uh, was there a, was there a mechanic of doom's gaze in guild wars one i can't actually remember exactly how the the doom fight worked in guild wars one other than that it was remarkable because you had a situation where you wanted several players in the raid to die so that they could get a new skill bar from being a ghost and that's really common in Guild Wars 2, but it was, I think, unique in Guild Wars 1. I think it was the only fight where something like that had happened. And so uh, it's kind of interesting to see how they had that idea back in the day and, and kept sort of improving on it and, and making it more mainstream than just a single boss fight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Uh, Doom, in his appearance, looks totally different than he did in Guild Wars 1. Oh, the really? Yeah, the lore is sort of that in in Grunt's absence, as far as I understand, in Grunt's absence, he has been directing. He's he's redirected the River of Souls to flow directly into his chamber. Because and of so course for he years would. and years and years since we've we've sealed him, he's been accumulating more power. Uh, and I I think my interpretation of this is that he has accumulated enough power to sort of take his former appearance before he had been drained so much. So he's got, uh, he's a two-legged, cloven-hoofed uh, armor monster, which is kind of horrifying. He's got a scythe that covers a large portion of a very large room. <laughs> it is just absolutely horrifying to be in front of. I was looking through the the log of what, our first kill, I think. and Or no, it was the second one, because we had weavers. Uh, every time the Ellie's were in front of the boss and got hit by the auto attack was every time that they went down. <laughs> so they, they got hit by it four times and went down four times at the exact same time. I thought that was funny as I was looking through the logs. Like, yeah, don't don't be in front of Doom. You're gonna lose your face. <laughs> uh, man, my Doom Scythe is one of my most prized possessions in Guild Wars 1. That thing was expensive. I'm just sad that we don't have one in Guild Wars 2. How is that not a staff skin yet, ArenaNet? Come on. There, there is a staff skin from from Doom, but not many people have it yet. Actually, speaking of things that not many people have, uh, there is a unique reward from this raid, which has only just recently dropped. And oh my god, oh my god, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm upset in a minute. But uh, there's an item called the Shrouded Bench of the Final Judge. It's a unique reward from this raid. It costs two thousand of the tokens. You can only get fifty tokens a week. Unless you're lucky and you get a drop that you can eat for tokens. So it, it takes approximately 40 weeks to get, unless you're very lucky and it drops for you. This item is a tonic that turns you into, I guess, that you. 
how would you phrase this? You get turned into Doom's throne, but it's not just that you are the chair. Your character sits, Tyrion sitting technology, on the chair, the throne of Doom. And there's different poses based on race and gender. Uh... And it looks friggin' fantastic, and I want one. And on my second kill of Doom, we nine-manned it, and it dropped for someone in my raid. Wow. I'm not jealous at all. Yeah, because the there's salt only is not a very blowing. few of them in the game right now. Only you, you can only have it if it drops. There's only been three chances maximum for it to drop for you, and so there's only maybe a handful of people in the game with them. And boy, do I want one! Boy, do I want one! I salvaged every drop. I've eaten every mini that I've gotten out of there so far. I'm gonna get one of those things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm looking at the skin. That skin is, I mean, the the staff skin. That is, uh, I mean, it's cool. But I'm not gonna lie. I like the Guild Wars One incarnation more. Yeah, that is very fair. I I sort of feel similarly. It, the particle effect on it's actually really cool. Uh, the like sort of spiral vortex in the center, mm-hmm. like that's really cool. But uh. That would have looked way cooler if it didn't have like giant, like chitinous blade bits and the teeth. If it was just yeah. like an energy vortex scythe, that would be oh, that'd be real cool. But that's okay. It's fine. Uh, at least they have it. You know, keeping mm-hmm. keeping things real. Uh, man, yeah, that throne tonic sounds real cool. Uh, I love it. Can you glide with it? I don't know. I can attempt to find out. I can bully my raid leader into finding out for me. Can you just imagine that? It'd be incredible. Anyway, yeah, okay, well, yeah, man, okay, so what uh, What else would you like to talk about about this year in Guild Wars 2? Uh, I guess I, I guess I can talk a bit about how I've been feeling lately, which is just, uh, been been thinking about, like, core tenants of the game and how they've panned out over a long period of time. Okay. So, so, for example, uh, one of the things about Guild Wars 2 is that it's, it's very skill-based, right? There's not a gear treadmill. So a lot of the content they've made sort of two years ago, three years ago, now that they are very much in their stride about how they make content, they know how players are going to react to it, um, there's a very established sort of meta and things, is still difficult. It stands the test of time. You have to be a good or, you know, a decent player at the game, depending on how difficult it is, whether it's raids or fractals or whatever, to achieve it. And so, on one hand, that's very good, because if you come into the game late, you have as much content as there ever was to get through, and it's all relevant to you. On the other hand, once you've done it a bajillion times, there's no... <laughs> like it doesn't let up, right? It's it's still just as difficult. You may be better at it, but it's still just as difficult as it was the first time. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you go through with a party of people, if they're not as experienced, you might wipe, and that can be annoying because you have done it a thousand times and you're very good at it. And there's no sort of there's no getting easier, I guess, because you you never sort of out out. Uh, outpace old content so like i don't have a real real point about this right it's just something i've been thinking about lately where i've i've played games where there's sort of the easier dungeons because you you outgear them or whatever you you've beaten whatever thing is in there and then it gets a little bit easier and there's a new hard content and then that gets a little bit easier um 
I don't I don't have any strong feelings about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I would say probably, I guess, is probably a good thing. Just something I've been thinking about where, oh, you know, if this had been another game, would, you know, Spirit Veil, we could just face thrill through it with everybody now. And and more people could be playing it or something, you know? Yeah, I just, think I think it's a good thing, though, because on the one hand, like, yes, it can be frustrating that you you know you feel like you sort of deserve to beat it because you've done it so many times but mm -hmm. on the other hand i think that you know that that cuts both ways it means that when you do those things uh, especially with other players that are less experienced like they're not contending with somebody that's an unkillable god you know completely destroying the universe and their contributions mean nothing right like mm -hmm it forces them to actually get good at the game as well. And it makes it content that is enjoyable for both of you sort of no matter how good one of you is. And I mean, yeah, it may make you frustrated at, you know, your, your newbie friend, if it's just not working, but at the same time, there is a fairly wide field of difficulties that the game has. And I mean, yeah, there's a lot of uh, sort of, decently difficult stuff but there's a lot of casual stuff especially if you're including living world stuff um and you know like if if i ever want to get back into raiding right you could go with me on literally all of the raids and like you know yeah you would know what to do but we'd still have to work at it and mm -hmm. i would still get that experience of what it was like to clear it without being able to just easy mode it you know, like, yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, I think that's exactly what they were setting out to do. And I, I think that that's a very good thing and is one of the reasons I was attracted to Guild Wars uh, 2 in the first place, aside, obviously, from the fact that I've always been a huge Guild Wars fanboy since the first game. But uh, mm -hmm. I've always been very on board with that design principle. And it's one of the one of the reasons that I like games like Overwatch as well, because Overwatch being a PvP game, you know, the difficulty never really changes right you get better at the game but you play better people the game is just always hard because you're playing humans and i like that i <laughs> i like always having to be paying attention when i'm doing content and so you know in in pve games that do that by just making difficult encounters but not just artificially making it difficult or easy based on the quote just the numbers on your gear um, I mean, I, I think that's really good. I, I really like that, um, especially because I have a lot of friends that don't necessarily play a ton, but maybe will say like, hey, let's play a game together for a while, you know? And it's like, well, you can buy Heart of Thorns and Path of Fire and we can have like a hundred hours of content that will not be trivialized, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I feel like I've arrived at the same conclusion. I just, I can understand people might not like that as much. There's definitely, you, you know, you and I are on board for that. There's also people who are like, man, I beat this. I just want it to be easy now. I want to move on to other stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can understand that. But to a certain extent, a lot of it is easier as long as you're playing with other people of similar experience, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will say that I do also understand that point of view, especially when it comes to raiding, because part of the sour taste that I got in in my mouth with raiding was not necessarily the difficulty of the raiding content, but the friction that it caused in our groups when, mm -hmm. you know, two thirds of us had this down pat. And 
it's just like some people just weren't getting it and it was just ending the raid for all 10 of us and you know it's like but it made me frustrated with the it made me sort of frustrated with the players and sort of frustrated with the content um especially because it was early raids and there just weren't alternatives to it but you know yeah it's like okay like why are we wiping on freaking veil guardian like god damn it (laughs) we we have beaten this like come on guys uh yeah so i mean i i get it you know but i have always hated the gear treadmill always and forever and it i would not still be playing this game if it had gear progression in the way that a standard Mm -hmm. mmo does i just wouldn't because i i don't play this game nearly as much as a lot of people and probably less than a lot of our listeners do ultimately but but i do play it and i do enjoy it and i like to tool around in it and if there was a perpetual carrot on a stick and every time i logged in i felt like oh all my stuff needs to get replaced again it would just make me mad and i just would stop right but but i don't have Mm -hmm. that so uh i'm i'm glad that they've stuck to their principles and as much as as much as ascended gear still makes me angry at least that's the only thing that they did in terms of that you know so uh i I don't know that i had a point there although i will say uh, i may be a little bit petty but uh uh long ago many moons ago mike o'brien uh on the guild wars 2 subreddit in response to talking about ascended gear did say that it had always been their intention to raise uh the gear cap potentially again but that now they were thinking that they wouldn't and i kept that in reserve because really? they <laughs> i don't really remember ever reading that really i mean i believe old. you i just don't remember it yeah. it was like from the year that the game released and i was so freaking mad about it uh that i kept the link just so that if they did it and people were like oh they never said they'd do this i'd be like actually they did say they did that or that they would do it oh, and it made man. me really mad and here it is but i actually cleaned the link up and i just deleted it because i figured at this point who cares and it's never gonna happen but uh sure. i am perhaps that petty to uh, have saved that for five years uh waiting <laughs> waiting for my mo- it's like inventory hoarding but uh with gotchas uh <laughs> in public speaking so anyway so i have to say i'm glad that they have not done that and uh yeah i i mean i think i think all that's really good um i have another thing that's sort of tangentially related if you're okay with moving on yeah absolutely so same sort of thing uh core tenant of guild wars 2 i have felt very much I don't want to say lonely in the game lately. Uh, it's still got a very absolutely super active player base. There's plenty of people around for me to talk to and stuff. But when it comes to doing things, I tend to do things by myself more than with the group. And I don't necessarily, again, like I don't have a, oh, this is bad or this is good feeling about it. Um, but I am feeling very much, uh, I can't remember who came up with it or whatever, but there's a sort of sentiment of, uh, Guild Wars 2, where you play together alone, because you're always, 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 no matter what you're doing around other players, but you're not necessarily ever grouping up with them. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, I really like that. It's part of what's kept me playing the game so long, because I need things that I can do by myself when I play a game. I play at weird hours. 
Um, generally, a lot of the time, you know, when I play games with a smaller group of friends instead of like the the big the whole Relics crew, a lot of times it's just me and Christian on at, at late at night, or just me because you know he doesn't feel like playing or whatever. So I I definitely need things that I can do on my own in a game that I play, but I also am feeling like there's not much of a reason at all to group up with you know your friends sort of we end up doing a lot of things on our own and just sort of keeping guild chat as a a talking point because there's so many different things that we can be doing and so many different points of progress that we're at it's hard to get any any two people together without having a conversation about like oh what zones should we do what what things do you need oh i need that oh i finished that one so we should do this because it benefits both of us but you know, it takes a while to get to that point, and especially, it drives me up a wall in fractals. Like, I, I love doing fractals with people, but oh god, the math equation you have to do every time you hop into a fractal. Which, what personal level are you? How much AR do you have? Which uh, which level benefits us the most? Okay, which one's got the uh, the right instabilities? Uh, okay, uh, no, uh, no, we're gonna do eighty three. Okay, okay, we'll do eighty three because <laughs> that one gets you two levels instead of one level or whatever. Just oh man. I just want to hop in with my friends and have fun, and I can. If only there I can was understand. some sort of system like I don't know, what would you call a fractal that's you know a difficult content but not a raid? Like perhaps a I don't know dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. If only they yeah. get that up. No, I uh, <laughs> obviously <laughs> being snarky, but I, I, fractals especially are definitely throw that into sharp relief. That that thing that you're talking about uh, with. Yeah, I, I honestly think fractal levels were a huge mistake, um, just in general. Or um, maybe not fractal levels as much as agony resistance, mm -hmm. um, which is intrinsically tied to fractal levels. But uh, was there more you wanted to expand, or did you want to talk about that feeling that you've been talking about? I mean, it, yeah, basically we've hit everything. I just, I feel like in the game currently there's a large amount of solo con what i would consider solo content which is the open world content which you you may be doing with other people you can take any size group of people with you right. but you can also complete it solo and i i generally do complete it solo you've got your five man content which at this point is effectively just fractals there's a little bit of dungeons as well but they're so devalued that unless you find a very specific dungeon running community which a few of them still exist dungeons are still very valid way of making money if you run them in a particular manner um and then there's raids and yeah. there's not sort of the what i'm looking for in a game which is i want to get together with my friends and hang out with like a group of i don't know three to three to seven who is the the size of the people i usually play with and i don't necessarily see that ever happening for this game. I think ArenaNet considers their open world content that sort of thing because you can play with any number of players. And so they're like, yeah, yeah, no, no, we're making loads of that content because you you can play that. But I don't ever feel compelled to attempt that content in that way because I can do it solo. Right. So it's not it's not scratching that particular itch for me. I think days. the thing is that there's no progression with that type of content. Like because like you said, you can do it solo. And so if you're just doing it and tooling around, like it's not really getting you anything. Like you're playing together, but there's no there's like no actual progression tied to the open world content. You know, because if if there were, 
uh, or if it was more universal, right? Because the other thing was if, mm-hmm. if there is open world content, it's like you're all wanting different things that you can't all progress at the same time. And so then you kind of end up not doing it anyway. Um, but, you know, if it, if it were offering you some sort of progression that you'd be doing as a group, uh, you know, you might be more inclined to do it. But since it doesn't really... Is that, I mean, would you say that that's accurate? Yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, as sort of just as the crux of what's different about that versus other things. Because if it were giving you progress, the fact that you could do it solo wouldn't really detract from anything because you'd still be gaining progress doing it in a group while also getting the fun of mm-hmm. getting to do it in a group. Well, um, I guess, so I'm thinking about like, like Guild Wars 1 as well, right? Like I could definitely do any of the... Uh, I guess it's not overworld content because they were all instanced. All the all the zones in Guild Wars One were instanced. You would meet up in a town hub and then you would go out into these instances and explore the zones or whatever. But I would definitely try and take people in that if I could over the heroes, even though I could I could solo anything. Um, I don't I don't know. I think I think it's not necessarily entirely progression, but somewhat structure as well that that has to do with it. So I, I I agree, but I think there's there's more facets to it than just progression. Sure, I think the thing is that you would you say that if dungeons were maintained, that they would be filling that niche for you? Possibly, yeah. Possibly, okay. Because the thing is that they, you know, again, part of that is a, a result of an intentional design decision, which is that they didn't want you to have to wait, like get ready to have fun. I remember that was a big thing that they were against. Uh, with when they were talking about the game was like, we don't want you to have to be looking for Monk, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which basically means, de facto, you uh, can do anything alone. I mean, that's that's sort of exactly what that means. And so, but maybe not anything, but you can do a lot of things alone. And so, as a consequence of that, and that definitely drove away a lot of more traditionally minded MMO folks, uh, a lot of people like that element that you need people to do things and you have to find people. Whereas I think a lot of people that initially came to Guild Wars came because they were tired of waiting to have fun. Um, but but what you're saying is sort of a natural consequence of that. Like, if you can do everything alone, then why do you need people? Well, you don't, unless it's hard content. Um, which I guess is sort of where I was coming from with the rewards or progression issue it's i mean not even necessarily an issue but just sort of that's what it made me think of is like you can do it alone and there's really nothing that you're gaining from doing it together other than the fact that you are together mm-hmm. um i don't know i i i do understand your uh sentiment though because i definitely i definitely feel that way too i mean i you know like when i play i'm usually just soloing right like that's that's uh the normal that's the norm for me but but i also think about it and i don't want to have to do things with people so i i don't know what i don't i don't know how they would make content that sort of satisfies both of those at the same time yeah yeah i that's sort of the conclusion i've arrived at as well as is basically it, it may not be scratching this particular itch for me but if it's one of the core tenants of their game how can they how can they serve that audience that they've developed, which is basically you can you can do most things on your own. Right. And I don't know. I feel I feel like dungeons would be good. Maybe more um like sort of guild driven activities where you want to group up with your guild. Uh boy, guild missions could use a revamp. I 
I'm so tired of guild missions. I do not want to lead guild missions at all for relics anymore. <laughs> I boy, like I, I look back at those times very fondly, right? Like we we used to do guild missions every week. We had a lot of fun times goofing around, you know, getting everyone together. How you know how's everyone doing? Checking in on everyone for the week. But boy, I do not want to do those guild missions anymore. They're I'm so sick of them. So sick of them doing the doing them every week for four years or whatever it was. Yeah, um, I mean, I have to say that for me, uh, guild missions have kind of always been a chore. Like it was fun the first time I did it, but mm-hmm. I never really enjoyed the experience. I guess you would say of getting together as a group to do the same content every week. Like, yeah, it was an excuse to do it, and you had to do it, but like it wasn't like i it felt like it was a chore to me uh very quickly and have you when was the last time you did a guild like a set of guild missions so long ago do you remember this is this is slightly tangential again it used to be so much worse than it is now because we didn't have squad ui so you would get together a party of people and you'd be like okay like if you had let's say 20 people, right? You had to have five parties of five because you could be in a squad, but there was no squad UI, so you couldn't tell that you were in a squad with anyone else. Um, squad chat did exist, but there were, there were no markers. There was no squad party, quote unquote, for like the first... Squads, as they are now, effectively came out with Heart of Thorns. So if you played before that, you didn't have that experience. Yeah, it was before And there that. was this horrible, horrible, tedious... Um, you know, okay, we've got four parties. Are all four parties in the same map? Which map are we joining on? Who? How do we get in the party with the person that is on the map we want to be on? And oh my god, it took so long. We, we used to only have four guild missions instead of, there was like one of each type instead of, um, you know, three easy ones, three medium, three hard ones. There was one, one race, one bounty, one whatever. Yeah. And because, because of squad UI alone... Basically, missions take, uh, I think it took us an hour about when we, once we had that to complete all, like, 12 of them compared to the hour that it used to take to do four, which is just getting people in the same map. Yeah, it sounds right. My god, it is so much better now to do them. Yeah, but even so, I've always had a really tough time being motivated to, it's not, actually, it's not being motivated, it's that. I'm really busy just in real life. Yeah, no. And yeah. Uh, it takes a lot to justify giving up a time slot every day in a, in or like one day a week, every week. And ultimately, that's really what killed rating for me. I mean, it was because I was getting frustrated with the players and I didn't want to be frustrated at my friends. But at the same time, it was it was that. But also because it was taking up a precious like entire evening of my week of which I have very few mm. available and it was like do I want to dedicate an evening a week to being angry no uh, but yeah absolutely but like guild missions didn't make me angry but like but they got tedious really fast and I think that even even though they even though you can get more done that doesn't really change the sort of like mental calculus that I do on whether it's really worth committing to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm much more of a pick up and pick up and play when I feel like it and when I can than a schedule like schedule group content 
type of player. Um, so I think that already, that always is going to make guild missions a tough proposition for me in the yeah, first place. Yeah, sure. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do know exactly what you mean, though, about, about playing, uh, feeling lonely playing the game. I mean, I, that's, uh, I don't think that that's an uncommon sentiment, to be totally honest. Um, it w- and I think that that's very actually different from many MMOs, but it, but there's also benefits, you know, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Is like, yeah, I yeah. Think- I just don't, I don't know where I sit on it, but I'm feeling it this year more than ever with all the the sort of non-meta maps that have been coming out. The the LS3 stuff, especially where it was just all right. I turn up, I gather, I leave. Um, yeah, I don't care about these people or what they're doing. I don't have any any stake in making sure this meta goes through or anything. I'm just gonna do my own thing, and then yeah. I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, I actually that's a really good point though. The loss of, or the the de-emphasis of meta events, I guess, mm-hmm. um, is definitely noticeable in that sense because back when back in the day when it was Silverwaste and it was Silverwaste all day every day, like. Yeah, it was repetitive, but you, like you were paying attention, right? Or when you were doing, um, oh, what's that freaking map called in Heart of Thorns? The last one, Dragon Stand. Mm-hmm. Like when you were doing Dragon Stand, like you when you were there, you were you were there, like you were paying attention, and maybe you weren't doing it with friends, but you were at the very least like a lot more actively engaged, I guess. Um, yeah, I and I think the thing is, I think there's a lot of people that play Guild Wars 2 that also play other MMOs, you know, that play Final Fantasy 14, yep. or they play WoW, or whatever, and I think a big part of that is because they, they are scratching very separate itches, like, you play Guild Wars 2 when you want to play an MMO game, but not need to be working your stuff out with a bunch of other people, and you play those other games when you want to be doing that um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean while it can be sad that guild wars 2 can't be everything to everyone at all times uh nothing can be and the fact that it sort of carves out its own niche is uh you know the, the good for them i mean that helps secure them an active player base because people will play that game and other games like yeah you you don't need to be the only game in town as long as your game is the one that everyone's playing. Like, because people play more than one game. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, did, you, did you have any other uh, points of rumination that you've uh, been thinking about? I, I'm sort of enjoying this discussion of uh, OG Guild Wars 2 design tenants that, and how we feel about them five yeah, years later. Yeah, uh, I think those are the two big ones that I've sort of been been thinking about lately. Yeah. Um, are you are sure you still else. glad that there's no gear progression? Yes, absolutely. Oh my god, yes. Uh, I I'm so happy that I can I can just be done with it when I want to be done with it. And I um I <laughs> I would wager that I have more ascended gear than a lot of people. Uh, yeah. It's a significant uh, percentage of the population. Um, but I like. I like getting more ascended gear. I like I like gearing out all my characters and trying out the different builds. Um, so that that kind of keeps me going, even though I could stop at any time and and be fine. Got plenty of plenty of builds. Uh, <laughs> don't laugh at me. I could stop whatever I want, really. Uh huh. Just just one mm-hmm. more hit. 
It's fine. Yeah, just just one more one more Condi Ranger, one more one more joke Solvies filled. It'll be fine. How are Solvies, by the way? Uh well the Condi Solvies build is is um meta, I guess, in terms of rating. I I personally haven't played a bunch of Solvies because I play a bunch of Druid. I really like Druid. So I haven't I haven't felt the urge to switch over to Soul Beast. There's a lot of cool sort of traits and interaction in Soul Beast, but the thing that I really don't like about Soul Beast is it doesn't feel like a different class necessarily, um, like certain elite specs do. Like like Druid feels completely different to Vanilla Ranger for sure. me particularly. Reaper Soul Beast feels a lot feels different like, than yeah. like base necromancer. Yeah. Yeah. Soul Beast feels like um core ranger with one or two different utility skills and some people might like that but it's just not my cup of tea currently i haven't really worked my way through a lot of the path of fire elite specs and i haven't it, it did take me quite a long time looking back to get through all the heart of thorns specs and spend a fair amount of time with each one um i've noticed also that i've become much more of a main player now than than cycling through all my alts Mm-hmm. because actually this goes back to the whole like skill-based gameplay thing when i want to go try out an alt i want to go do content that's not particularly serious so i can just try it and get used to it but i still want to be challenged right like i don't want to i want my skills to matter somewhat so that i can feel that i'm getting better and and having that experience and i don't necessarily get that in open world so sure. then your choices are, you know, sort of dungeons, which are mostly dead, hard to get a group for, fractals, which you need the AR for. And so I've I've definitely shifted into playing mostly druid and when I need to DPS guardian. And I've I've spent probably more than 70% of my game time on those classes in the last year because I go to what I'm familiar with because I don't want to slow a group down because I don't know what I'm doing and yeah. haven't haven't been delving into the alts as much as i used to do when it, when it was a dungeon it was like oh yeah just grab whatever i feel like playing like oh yeah i haven't played much ellie but i know the dungeon really well so i'll just i'll hop on an ellie and see how it goes but you know if you do that at tier four fractals you're gonna get your face bashed in on an ellie and the pugs are gonna be mad at you <laughs> or you're gonna be slowing your grilled group of friends down maybe and i don't know like that that sort of social aspect of it has definitely diminished my desire to play alts even though I, I love messing around with builds all the time yeah i definitely have not i still have so much stuff to do for path of fire with you know with alts and trying out different specs i yeah I, god i haven't i haven't tried so much I, there's still so much stuff for me to to catch up on and so much content to try out you know with mm-hmm. these different specs but I definitely know what you're talking about with not wanting to sort of being stuck in that catch 22 of like wanting to try new stuff, but at the same time, not wanting to be bad, but yeah, when it's new, you're probably going to be bad at it. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Is there, is there anything you also want to talk about? It's uh, an hour 10 in here. I'm getting a little, uh, a little tipsy. We sort of, I mean, we haven't gone in depth on any of the chapters, but I don't really feel like we need to. Because that's kind of yeah. like what we do on the normal, yeah, the normal cast. Are there any 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 standout moments, or I guess we kind of covered this already, but any standout moments or patches to you? Like, what what was the the highlight of Guild Wars two for you this year? I mean, the, well, I I feel like 
the easy answer is clearly Path of Fire. Sure. But, uh, if we're taking Path of Fire out, uh, I'm going to cheat and not take Path of Fire out, but I'm going to sub-select in that, which is just that I feel that this year has been the year of Guild Wars 1 lore continuity slash callbacks slash references, and I really like that. I think that we've gotten a lot of it from a lot of these living story chapters and from Path of Fire, where we did not necessarily get very much of it in previous years of living story and didn't really get too much of it in Heart of Thorns. We've had quite a bit this whole year with the and uh, to some extent last year too but the oh, i think every single one of these living story chapters has been has had something relevant to guild wars one uh, at least one thing and including in in path of fire so it's not exactly one moment but as a big guild wars one player this year's felt very satisfying to go through and be like, oh, I know who that is, and like, I know what that is, and oh, that reminds me of these fond memories I had of Guild Wars 1 doing this thing, and oh, I love seeing this place 250 years later, or, you know, that. So, so it's not a singular moment as much as it is that I'm loving how much of this year is sort of a return to form of the original release of guild wars 2 where you know in, in guild War, the in the first year there was so much of that it's like oh my gosh this is drachnar's forge or like oh this is the temple of the ages and it's sunk or oh this is old lion's arch and it's sunk i i feel like and it's sunk is gonna be a uh, yeah you know. but uh you know oh these are the shiver peaks oh i recognize these things right there was so much of that when the game first released and a lot of the living story content was moving forward in time, which I totally appreciate. It's totally fine. But mm -hmm. it's exceedingly rare to have a franchise that's gone on this long and has had that big of a break in time and actually explored it. You know, I mean, some franchises have big breaks in time, but aren't in the same area, right? So, I mean, you think like Assassin's Creed, or whatever but like every assassin's creed is in a different place and so yes they're further in time and yes there's a few references to old characters but mostly they're sort of their own thing but it mm -hmm. it felt very novel to have a game that i put literally thousands of hours into and have a sequel that is in the same place but much farther in the future and to have put thousands of hours into this game and to to find that continuity of how times change so I really like that I feel like we're getting sort of back to that aspect of of the series and I and I think that this year has done a better job of that than the past several. How about you? Oh gosh, I knew that was going to happen and I still didn't prepare for it. It was your own question, Spirit. I know. I've fallen on my own sword. Um <laughs> You're in the downstate, fight to survive. Yeah, I I guess it, I guess for me it's always the in in most recent time the the build craft actually no i i would say that's a highlight of this year having a second elite spec um didn't make as much difference as i thought it would for build craft but i'm also feeling like when i have something i want to do and i want to set out to make a build for it 
a la Guild Wars 1, I feel like I have much more options when it comes to that. And it's not always... I think for some people, it will never capture that feeling of Guild Wars 1 where you had all these these skills and traits where you, that you could... Or, sorry, just skills <laughs> and attributes, I guess, you can combine because you could combine multiple professions in Guild Wars 1. But I, I am feeling more satisfied with the build craft at this point than I ha- ever have in the past. Um, and it's been an interesting new avenue of play for me to have that have that be a part of my thought process and, and what I like to spend time in the game doing rather than just content. I like to figure out how I'm going to approach the content. So yeah, I guess another round of Elite Specs has just felt really good for me in terms of that. Yeah, that's... Uh... I definitely agree with that. I think that's... I hesitate to put that as my favorite thing because it's been a constant sort of sore point for me that we haven't had nearly enough. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that we're getting more, but it's like five years in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, definitely, I I agree with you that builds are more... Uh, there's, a, there's a lot more to think about when you're making builds now. Uh, especially for some professions over others and like hey, i said i still have of, uh, speaking of buildcraft i had to think of you on tuesday because necro axe got buffed i know <laughs> i was gonna try and work that in here somewhere and i just like totally forgot now that we're an hour in uh, mm-hmm. over an hour but yeah hey necro axe got buffed hey i'm playing the long game i'm a filthy casual that uses an axe but whatever it's fine uh yeah, I'm sure it's still not meta, but whatever. I don't care. It's I like what they did with it because they, they didn't actually buff it that much, but what they did is they removed the conundrum where you had to choose either the clear winner for the power trait or the trait that made Axe do 10% more damage. So they just basically buffed Axe by 10% so you can now choose the, the power trait that makes sense for you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, how about them Necro Axe skills, eh? 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there you go. There's think... my highlight of the year, is Necro Axe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, actually, now that you say that, the Power Reaper is still not quite... It, it's sort of been on the cusp of being a raid thing for a long time. It's almost the most the most recent incarnation of it has Axe Warhorn, I think, instead of Dagger and mm. Greatsword. Okay. Yeah, well, the thing is, Axe is really the only ranged power weapon that Necromancers have, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're doing it. Let's see. Is the is the clear power trait that uh, might grants you more power and less condition damage? Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, alright, cool. Well, I feel fine calling it here i think we've had a good discussion about the lifetime of guild wars 2 our amazement at just quite how much stuff has come out this year having felt like some of this stuff was way longer ago and uh talking about winter's day is there anything else you wanted to chat about or you want to just call that a happy happy end of year winter's day uh i have have one more thing all right hit it um how to phrase (laughs) do you have I don't want to say, do you have any predictions for next year? Because you'll be like, ah, yes, there will be a new currency. <laughs> we, d- we did it, Reddit. <laughs> we did it, Reddit. <laughs> yeah, so I want to limit it somehow, but I'm not not quite sure how I want to do that. Um, but basically that question without giving yeah. a smart-ass answer? 
Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Yeah, okay. Uh, but before I answer that, I do want to say that I happily bought the bundle of cheery Winter's Day mount skins. Uh, so yay, I'm glad that we got some some cheapy mount skins again. And I love their little Christmas hats. So hooray. Anyway, predictions for next year. I predict that we are going to get our living story split between shiver peaks and bram slash jormag content and uh split with exploring more of the previously nightfall areas so like uh istan like zones or uh you know maybe more into the southeast uh side of of the map maybe the second half of istan or like the second third i don't know there's like a chunk of istan that's sort of blocked mm. out and we sort of like warped to the other side of it um so i think that i think that we're going to be alternating a bit between zones uh sort of similar to how we did in the last season but yeah that i think we're going to move towards the brahm uh jormag confrontation i think power reaper is going to continue to get complained about and maybe buffed but not enough <laughs> um <laughs> no i don't know uh I, uh on a cynical side i believe that we are going to get more mount adoption licenses that will be their own separate set of adoption licenses but the same mechanic fundamentally mm-hmm. i believe we're going to get at least one full set of super expensive skins i think that if they make a super adventure box set of skins i will buy them in a heartbeat because I am a hopeless shill uh, for the Super Adventure Box, I think. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't know what else to predict aside from that. So that's uh, that's my main. Those are my main predictions. How about yourself? Oh gosh! Did you I... do it to yourself again? You you asked me uh, a long question and didn't think about the answer while I was giving somewhat. you so much time to. Yeah, I. I, I kind of went went down a different rabbit trail when when you said something about being cynical because my sort of one of my one of my bugbears right now with Guild Wars Two is that it's, it's almost entirely predictable uh, in terms of what's coming out. Um, the the lore breadcrumbs tend to be there. They they foreshadow things really well. So if you follow the game very intensely, what what's coming in the next patch isn't usually a surprise for you between. Um, data mining and little little breadcrumbs and having extreme discussion about the game it it's very rare that we're just out of nowhere i feel like we're you know things happen so it's, it's sort of hard to get me excited about certain things anymore i of course i love logging in and playing the story and everything um but when it comes to predictions i'm like yeah i predict that everything is going to be roughly the same as before and there will be a few quality of life improvements actually here i'll throw my hat in the ring uh, 2018 will be the year of build templates, and they will be uh, just for traits, not for armor. <laughs> but we'll finally have them. That'll be my my big prediction. My prediction is that we won't. Oh man. Yeah. Now we've got real friction. It's never happening. It's always on the back burner. It's perpetually on the infinitely large size table that everything else is always on. And Do we have to save this podcast so that we can link it to each other when one or the other of us is inevitably proved to be right? Uh, no, you can just, you know, you can just tweet it on Twitter. It's fine. Uh, okay. Yeah. 
yeah. Uh, anyway, continue on. Continue with your predictions. Yeah, I feel like we'll get so many. Like every every two three months, we're gonna have a living story patch. There's not gonna be much going on in between them if they're gonna keep up this this pace. I, you know what? We're we're already partway into season four, but. Season four would be the first time if they kept the same release schedule as season three that it has been the same as the season before it, which would also very much surprise me and also very much not surprise me if that makes sense because <laughs> they've been different every time. But yeah, I think like, it's, it's very at this point, I think, sort of obvious that we're going to get a new story every two to three months. There's going to be a new map with it. It's going to have a new mastery that may or not may or may not be interesting. Probably by the end of 2018, I would guess that we have an idea of what the ex- next expansion is going to be like based on how season four turns out. Because at that point, we'll be six, seven episodes into season four. So we'll be sort of building in the in the buildup for the next expansion. I have no idea what the next expansion. We actually Hunter and I got into a chat about this the other day. Um what on earth would they have as their big thing? Can you know like Path of Fire came out with Mount. Looking forward to the next expansion. What is what is the game missing? What is the game, you know, they they have this big thing about in previous expansions, they've been introducing basically things that other MMOs have that they wanted to do their own unique take on. What's mm-hmm. kind of left for them to do with that? Are they just going to expand on the mounts and raids and guild halls and things? Are they going to go for personal housing? I don't know. Just kind of something that's interesting to think about. Uh, we're, we're at a point in the game's life cycle. Sorry, I've only go got ahead. two answers for that, and one of them I care about, and one of them I don't care about. Sure. Uh, I will. I will cop. I'm sure I've said it before, although I'm forgetting now. But I will say. As much as an avid, outspoken hater of mounts as I've always been, I think they did a pretty good job in Guild Wars. It's still not my favorite feature, but they at least gave them mechanics that feel good and, you know, Mm -hmm. fine. But that opens the door for capes. So, because as anybody who listens to this knows... It's always been, if I can't have my capes, you can't have your mounts. So I am letting you have your mounts. It's cape time. No, but as far as mechanics from other MMOs, housing is a good one. I don't give a flying hoot about it at all. Uh, I would be really rolling my eyes hard if that was a new feature that we got, because mm-hmm. I just don't care. I know it's I know it's important to a lot of people, but if it's like the, quote, expansion box selling feature boy do i not care uh yeah (laughs) but but what i would love as as anybody who uh obviously listens podcast can confirm we could get subclasses or second classes (laughs) like guild wars (laughs) one back in the day Mm -hmm. we could have two classes darn it uh no i i don't know how that would function but they could do it right um theoretically they could do something and you could sure. only choose an elite specialization trait line from your primary profession that would be your sort of similar uh concept and that'd be cool uh 
I don't know how they would do it, but they could. I'm just saying. Do it, Guild Wars. Do it. Oh, that yeah, because that'd be really cool because your weapons would be based on your primary profession. But like you could maybe use secondary profession traits that affect your weapons, but they affect them like how impactful those are depends on like what your primary profession is because mm -hmm. like an axe trait for necromancer versus an axe trait for guardians if you were like a necro guardian and you had like an axe trait from guardian on your necro like that could be cool uh, i guess that wouldn't work because that's elite specialization but uh, staff trait whatever um just saying that would be a cool thing you could do in a new expansion it'd be a buttload of work though so they're probably never going to do it anyway that was it yeah, I mean, I, I I'm satisfied. I think I've hit on everything that I want to hit. I guess if there's anything, not necessarily a prediction, but if there's anything that I'd like to see from Wielders Two this year, it's just changing it up a little bit. Like I would like to have some like double reward weekends or something, and focus my attention on to stuff. Give me a little bit of surprise. Give me a little bit of uh, something new to look forward to, and I I would be content. I think. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any interest in a end of 2017 Trader Arcade? Uh, I guess so. We can I mean, we haven't done Trader Arcade in like ages. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what have you played this year that you think deserves an honorable mention that is not Guild Wars related? Uh, probably the best game that I have played and it's driving you nuts that I haven't finished it is Dark Souls. You're not wrong. Um, I have been I have been working my way slowly through Dark Souls 3. I've been enjoying it immensely uh, when I do play it. I, I sort of have to be in a certain mindset to play it and also to stream, which is, doesn't always happen all that often. Uh, but I, I just absolutely thoroughly enjoy it when I do. Um, I played the ever-living crap out of Slime Rancher over the last couple weeks. It's just a little uh, solo goofy game where you vacuum up slimes and then you feed them and they poop and you sell their poop for money and you can you can interbreed the slimes so you can have a pink one eat the poop of a cat one and then you get a pink cat one and it's just simple and silly and very light and has a nice little I didn't play it for the story, but it's got a nice little sort of bittersweet story going on underneath it, which is an, I'm sure enjoyable to other people who play it. Sure. And just I really enjoyed that change of pace as well. Just something uh very much and now for something completely different. Yeah. It's the polar opposite of all the other games I've been playing. It's Slime Rancher. Okay. Okay. Uh you got anything else? Uh I didn't play that many games this year that weren't Guild Wars. I played Breath of the Wild, played some board games. I've been playing D and D. I've got like a like a actual uh, regular D and D group now, which has been going great. I'm a level four druid. Oh, nice! I've got a pet badger. Is this fifth edition or? Yeah, um, my badger is ha half a barbarian. It's a badger barbarian because we started with three people, so we uh, homebrewed the pet a little bit so we could have a little bit more comfort in it for people who hadn't played very much D&D before. Sure. Um, so I've got uh, a snake, the badger barian, who's just great. Yeah. I mean, that's that's mostly what I've done this year is D&D &D and Guild Wars peppered in with a, a few other things from time to time. Oh, I did a huge stint of, of Ark Survival Evolved in the summer. I really, I enjoyed that, but I feel like I'm done with it. 
I feel like I got everything I wanted to out of that game. But it was nice to have a, a sort of crafty game to to work out the system. Uh, actually, I said it when I was playing it, but Ark is the Pokemon game that I always wanted and never like just didn't get because it was all the like the collect them all. But then playing with your Pokemans or dinosaurs wasn't just the same every time it was like go out and adventure ride on them and like enjoy like fly around on them they all have different abilities and they mean different things Uh, you know you can weigh up like this one can carry more stone than the other one but it's slower things like that i i don't know i just really scratched an itch and i'm like man if this was if this was a pokemon game and it wasn't buggy as crap boy i would enjoy the hell out of this yeah and i did i enjoyed it as dinosaurs but I don't know, I just I was like, oh man. I, I've wanted, I like Pokemon, but it's getting harder and harder to sell me Pokemon games because I, again, like with Guild Wars 2, I feel like I know exactly what's going to be in them. There's mm-hmm. going to be the same Pokemon that I've played with since I was like 10 years old, maybe younger. I feel like it was a long time ago. And uh, they have roughly the same abilities. They have four abilities. Uh, I can breed them. There's going to be like eight eight gym leaders. Um, pretty much all I'm going to do with them is battle and some mini games. I, I want I really want a Pokemon game that's not a Pokemon game. I need another snady, a stadium. I need a snap. I need some more Pokemon stuff that's not Pokemon. There was the uh, semi-tactical RPG that came out a couple years ago. Is that Mystery Dungeon? Oh, that too. No, there was like a like Pokemon Shogun or something like that. Huh. Like, give me a second. I'm gonna stand up and walk over to my thing, but I have a headphone okay. on. So, uh, let's see. Pokemon Conquest. Interesting. I yeah. that somehow went completely past my radar. Yeah, it came out a little while ago. I kind of got tired of it though because it wasn't uh, tactically deep enough for me. But uh, sure. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, my trader arcade for the year is that I have continued to play Overwatch heavily. Um. It's still fun. It's half off right now. If anybody wants to pick it up, um, because of the holidays, I had a binge six weeks in which I played and subsequently beat before each of the next games came out. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, the Dark Souls 3 final DLC, uh, Breath of the Wild, and Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, that was a that was a lot of gaming in like six to eight weeks. Uh, but I was particularly impressed with Horizon Zero Dawn, and I am one of the, I feel like, rare voices of dissent that I was disappointed with Breath of the Wild, but it did a lot of things very well, so I can totally understand why people love it. Uh, On the indie game side, Hollow Knight I finally picked up and really enjoyed it. It's a platformer, sort of Metroidvania style, with hand-drawn art style uh like hand-drawn cartoon style uh characters and i would say it has a very large world and was fun to explore and sort of a bleak sort of dark souls like atmosphere and i enjoyed it a lot i my biggest problem with that was on the one hand it was really good that you could explore kind of in a lot of directions at once but the downside was that a lot of them were ability locked and it was really hard due to the size of the map and how far you could go before you got to one of those locks to remember 
which areas were locked by what and so when you finally figured out the one area you were kind of supposed to go to next and got the next ability you kind of could get lost so i would part perhaps recommend a wiki if you end up getting lost in that game uh i am almost finished with cuphead and it's enjoyable and uh tough but i love the animation and uh yeah i think that's i think those are my big games of the year so and uh yeah obviously guild wars 2 so there you go there's the relics of war what we've been playing other than guild wars so i think with that i think we're ready to wrap things up are you uh is that is that a good conclusion for you yeah yeah all right well Thank you, Kate, for joining me on our adventures every, well, maybe not every week, but every time that we record. And thank you, listeners, for continuing to listen and listen to our semi-drunken ramblings. And we will be back sometime in the new year. So happy Winter's Day, happy holidays, and take care. This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com. Email us at relicsofor at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.